We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. He throws back shoulder, Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch out of bounds. He has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle, he pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. The Rams sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Pauly here with former Los Angeles Rams defensive back Michael Stewart. Mike, it's been a while since you've been on the show, bud. How you doing? Hey, man, we're doing good, man. It's been a lot of rain and a lot of everything else between the time, but, man, we're doing great, man. Now, how weird is it out there in L.A. getting rain? They're practicing last week in the rain and then going to a dome and winning its NFC title. Weird? weird. A little bit? Weird. Okay. Rain is needed and much welcome. Absolutely. It definitely needed out there for sure. In case you, For those of you who are on the East Coast, don't forget California has been like an internal drought since like the 80s. So um, much needed rain. Okay, folks. I am going to go knee-deep with, with Michael on tons of stuff today. It's been a while since we've had him on the show. 
Uh, we want that player perspective. Before we do, we do want to remind you we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker. We're there, guys. Check us out. Don't forget to subscribe and leave those five-star reviews on iTunes. We really, really appreciate them. It helps go up the charts. And, of course, don't forget our other shows on the network, including Rampage Radio and Butting Heads. Those guys are all putting out max work for you guys in the next two weeks especially. And finally, do want to give a shout-out to one of our sponsors. Uh, most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. I know Michael is. He's wearing this shirt right now. Okay? The Legends right. community. That's right. <laughs> So if you want to learn more about Rams history with a bit of personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's Hollywood Teen, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Don't forget to check out this son's story of his father and a team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. We're talking Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Lakes Hirsch, Tom Fierce, Les Richter. All these guys in the story span the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. It's available both in hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Also, through various other booksellers on the net. Trust me, folks. I've read from cover to cover. So is Norm. So is Johnny. We're still working on Steve to get him up to that reading level. Ha ha, Steve, if you're listening. Okay, trust me. Check it out. Holocene Grit Glamour and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. And this actually, you know, given this brings a whole new question. I'm going to catch you off guard on this one. I'm sorry, man. I am so sorry. Uh, I, anybody out there who does podcasts or who's listened to podcasts, we always do a show sheet with a plan. And right now, just having Michael on the line and also talking about Jim Hawk makes you realize something that I've never asked you this question, Mike, and that is you play you've pl- you played for a franchise that has a ton of legends in its lineage. We mentioned Norm Van Brocklin, Crazy Lakes Hirsch, and you guys like Bob Waterfield, Deacon Jones. What did it mean to you to not not only play for your hometown team, okay, people forget that. That's your, that was your team growing up but also follow up in the lineage of players who came before you like that. Well, it's so funny, uh, Big D, that you, you asked that, but the Rams truly have been my favorite team growing up. So, you know, I watched, you know, a lot of the early days and, you know, I remember the Billy Waddies and, and people like that who are, who are out there playing, you know, you're growing up and I'm going to be this guy. And, you know, then when Vince came along, he brought a little bit of that, Hollywood spice to everything. And then to actually get to play rookie year with Eric Dickerson, still a good friend, obviously a Hall of Famer, Jackie Slater, obviously, you know, great guy. And, and a lot of the other guys that may not be in the Hall of Fame yet, but to actually be able to play alongside of those guys, man, it was truly a, a wonderful blessing and, and and to be able to be part of the organization. Absolutely. And years later now, you're seeing this new generation of Ram stars coming out. You're seeing, you know, Todd Gurley, and I have a clip on him a moment for now. We, you, you're seeing Jared Goff become, we're seeing him develop before our very eyes. Uh, Brandon Cooks, Aaron Donald. Now this new generation of Ram stars, what does it mean to you seeing this group following after you and now accomplishing great things? They're on the way to the Super Bowl. Well, it's so funny because, again, the, alert, the the shirt says, you know, Legends Community. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, at 53, I'm considered a legend now <laughs> as far as with the Rams. That's funny. But, yeah, watching me, the guys before, many of the guys you you talked about, D, you know, Hacksaw, you know, all those guys. Uh, got to play with Carl Ecker. Uh, that was another tremendous guy. Rest and in then peace. Now, yeah, seeing the transition of these young guns, if you will, or the next generation uh, come through. It's just kind of cool to be able to say, man, I was actually associated with it in a real live way. So it's neat to see these guys growing and developing. And uh, these dudes are like a lot of, a lot of just good dudes. You don't hear them getting in trouble. So that's kind of what I'm, I'm most excited about. You know, it's kind of weird because when you have characters on the team, like a Marcus Peters and Dominican Sue, these people that say have character issues, these guys don't get in trouble. They're not out there causing. They're not out there drinking, you know, partying out in L.A. and getting in trouble. But yet right. they got this bad rep. They're not. Well, it, it's not that crazy. That's part of, yeah, that is. And and so a cool thing is when you come into a culture, you know, we often hear about you know a lot of the guys who were out the league and they end up in New England, and they have Hall of Fame careers, if you will. But I think the culture has a lot to do with it. Coach McVeigh and the staff, if you go over there, even just during the practice week, it's upbeat. You know, guys enjoy wanting to be there. And so it all plays into, you know, maybe if you had some issues, it kind of reshapes how you're doing things in the current situation. Okay, so um, I want to get your perspective on the team actually getting the Super Bowl. I have a clip right here. Folks, if the if it's not the perfect audio, I'm sorry. I'm still figuring out how to do the whole switchboard and playing the audio for you properly. So this is Todd Gurley post-game being interviewed. And just listen to his words. It's really something special. It seems like you're almost to near tears. What is in your heart right now? It's the love of the game. I love this game so much. I've been dreaming of this all my life. And for us to be able to be in this position, to make it to the Super Bowl... Oh, man, it's, a, it's such a great feeling. such a great feeling. Now, you didn't uh, play in the third quarter. You came back in the fourth. Were you hurt? What happened? No. I didn't play good. I didn't deserve to be in there. CJ was in there. He did his thing. Everybody held me down. We all held each other. And we just, we just got it done. We just got it done. Thank you, Lord. Again, that was a credit to the, the Fox team out there for that clip. Uh, you heard what he said. I hope, right? You heard it, okay? And talking yeah. about the love of the game, talking about um, his teammates picking him up. He he didn't play well. He fesses up to that. It just wasn't his day. And you you were a pro. You played quite a few years in the NFL from '87 to '96. You had those days yourself. Uh, what can you identify with Todd Gurley and how, and what he's talking about when he's talking about the love of the game and what it means to him and his teammates picking him up? Well, when you get to that level and when you get in the NFL, that's kind of what everybody's goal is. At the end of the year, offseason, it's, hey, we're training one one game at a time, you know, playoffs, Super Bowl. But then to actually say, oh, we're going to be in the Super Bowl, that's big. And then you just reflect and everything comes to a head right at that moment. And in his case, you know, I'm sure – or it seems like he said he wasn't injured. I got some questions there. We'll talk about that. Uh-huh. But the excitement of seeing, and sometimes you're trying to do too much, and you can literally zap the energy out of yourself before you even get on the field because you're just too emotional. 
And uh, it was good to see CJ in there, you know, having been through there, being a vet's vet. Uh, and like he said, picked him up. But that's what the team is all about. And that's that's what I think is going to be a strength for them going forward that Coach McVay has done. He's created this culture of brotherhood. So you just mentioned Todd Gurley. You have some questions and some doubts there. Me personally, I do think something's wrong. I think I would not surprise me come off season. We'll hear the news. He's getting that knee scoped, getting it cleaned up. I think you don't you don't get inflammation for no reason. It doesn't just magically appear. Something's wrong. And to me, the Rams are just being very very care, uh, careful with him. He's their back, and everybody knows he's their back. So. I mean, is that what you're feeling as well? They're just protecting him. They're keeping an eye on him. Absolutely. You know, you got to remember he had a pretty uh, severe knee injury. You know, that senior year when he got hurt in uh, what was I guess the bowl game or the playoff game. I, I don't mean, remember. It was, it was an ACL though. Towards ACL. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty significant injury, and so uh, you know they did all the rehab and everything. But you know, like I said earlier on one of the programs earlier in the year when I was out at camp this year. I go, man, it just looks like he's really running. I go, oh, no, it's just, you know, from the knee injury, that's kind of how he runs now. And I go, okay. But you got to remember, a severe knee injury like that, you know, that's what ends a lot of guys' careers down the road, degenerative knee, you know, and different things like that. But, yeah, I'm with you. I would not be surprised as soon as the season's over, they're saying something about that. Him getting it yeah, cleaned up. I don't think it's serious. I just think that right. you know, there's when you tear it when you tear an ACL, when that, the damage it does to everything in that knee, um, the severity of course varies. But for many people, it's not even it's not even one time they have to go back and do it again before it sticks. And and for many people, even after that, the lateral movement doesn't come back all the way and doesn't. It shouldn't shock anybody if they go if there's scar tissue in there, if there's some junk that needs cleaned out. That's what it's I'm expecting. Something's causing the inflammation. Something is you know he didn't just suddenly injure it out of nowhere and then not talk about it for weeks. So that's how I'm looking at it. Now well, you look at it and you figure, Derek, that's a major situation when you have surgery, right? Mm-hmm. Now you or I now post-retirement, if we had a knee injury, you know, you get the skull, you're not going to be out, like, rehabbing like they need a football player to rehab. Mm -hmm. That was, you know, running pools. You know, they're going to bring us along a lot slower, you know, and to get us to where we're functioning, you know, for work, going up the stairs, but not to go out and play a physical game like football. So. You add all that in, the rehab itself is going to be strenuous. Yeah, it gets you back, but it's also taking something out as well over time. Sure, sure. So, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so also here, I got one more clip for you talking about the penalty controversy. I don't know. I'm I'm sure you've noticed um, some of the reactions from the New Orleans fans, and this was on social media earlier a group of Saints fans did this song, and I just wanted to share it with you. And <laughs> we'll talk about the game, folks. This one was um, – I got this from uh, one of our buddies on, on Twitter, Crenshaw Rams. Um, this has been going around in the Saints community. I'm not going to play the whole thing because it's – well, you'll see. Here you go. Saints got robbed. Who that? Who that? Saints got robbed, and we want a rematch. Ten and three, we were coming for that second ring. 
dream shattered by your referee. A call blindfolded Sandra Bullock could have seen. We had the Rams by the horns, now they walking free. Goodell, what the hell are you doing? How much more of the NFL could you possibly ruin? There's a foul play, and I'm ready to call it. Refs line in their pockets when Kamish opens his wallet. Saints got robbed with a flag. Super Bowl found, and they had it in the bag. Saints got robbed. Who that? Who that? The refs rigged the game, and we want a rematch. Saints got robbed. Who that? Who that? Saints got robbed. Who that? So, folks, that was just a clip. Giving uh, Crenshaw Rams, we had that, and that, of course, came from uh, some fans in New Orleans. <laughs> think they're a little salty? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> you, you can't see it. One of these days, we're going to do a video feed, folks, but Michael and I are just sitting here jamming out. <laughs> That is some funny stuff. They couldn't even get the record right, though. The Saints are 10-3. and three. No, they weren't 10-3. and three. They were... <laughs> 14 and 3, 13 and 3 plus the one entering the game. They couldn't even get the record right. My gosh. Um, so, all joking aside, what do you take from the penalty controversy? Uh, are our Saints fans, are the Saints justified in asking for a rematch this weekend against the Rams down in New Orleans? Well, personally, you know, I've. All the talk radio from her, you know, Colin Cowherd and everyone else, ESPN, and you know, obviously things like this, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, whatever, Facebook, uh, it's only the controversy when you're the loser. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the idea is, you know, I've always felt that one, the refs are human like you and I. That means there's going to always be human error in the game or a mistake, or a missed call. The dilemma I see is you have these situations now because of the technology and all the angles. Whoever thought they would have a camera in the pylon that you can see, like, all in the field and, mm-hmm. you know, a camera that flies right over the huddle, I mean, you know what? That's a lot. I mean, if they had that technology with the Franco Harris play, you know, obviously – they would have easily been able to say, oh, man, that hit the ground or whatever. But I think what happens is I think if they take some of the instant replay out or at least make the TV uh, uh, announcers and or the networks not show so many replays from so many angles, because from where the ref is behind, you can't tell that it wasn't simultaneous contact. That's what it looks like from his view. Our view from all the different camera angles, well, you can obviously see the ball's not there yet. But from a quick minute, an angle from the field, lower level, you're behind the play, well, it looks like they got there at the same time. Sure. So I just think that, they have to decide, one, you know, how much would they replay? How would they do it? Is it going to be on all stuff? Or is it going to be on something like that? Someone in New York makes a call in and go, hey, you got to change that one. Yeah. It's- but here's, here's, what I, here's my real concern about it, okay? I think you're opening a Pandora's box. Absolutely. I really do. You, you can say, and Andrew Whitworth mentioned this um, on I forget what show he was on talking about it, Rich Eisen, the Rich Eisen show. You can say, well, 
hey, let's bring this penalty, let's bring them all back. Saints ball, first and 10 inside, you know, with a minute 45 left or whatever it is. All right, well, then the Rams can go back and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Why does any other penalty, why is that Why is that penalty more important than the missed face mask on Jared Goff on our possession? Exactly. We should have had the ball first and, first and goal in the one. Absolutely. And the Rams will score there. And who Absolutely. knows how much... Who knows how much time they would take out the clock? There was a second face mask on Brandon Cooks. Um, and let's be honest, Aaron Donald got away with a rough in the passer on Drew Brees right. when he did, with that extended push. That should have been rough in the passer. You can go anywhere in the game and say it was a, there were a lot of missed calls. Right. How do, you, how, do you, how do you pick where you start? And will you do this for every game? Because there's going to be missed calls in every game. Well, you know, it's so funny. You're absolutely right. And that's why I'm saying, in my personal opinion, you may need to pull back on all the instant replay and just kind of go back to, hey, the ref made the call and let you jump up and down, scream about it, and that's it. But as you noted, all those different plays, yeah, you're going to have to go back. But what kind of got under the radar? And this is where you go, okay, Sean Payton, did you blow it so you're now going to put it on something else? Because when they threw that pass for incomplete on first down, that was the game. That's the game right there. Why are you throwing a pass? Didn't you guys learn anything from the Seahawks game? You know, that <laughs> pass could have been picked, you know, flipped up and now interception. Uh, all the things that could happen with a pass at that time when, man, run the clock out and did kick the field goal. And you don't have time. But someone pointed out the Rams scored in like 20-something seconds right before the half. Sure. So even if you run the clock now like you think, oh, they only got 25 seconds, well, it's not like they couldn't have scored. You know what I mean? I mean, it's unlikely, but it's not impossible because there's still time on the clock. So, I mean, we saw the, what was the Music City Miracle? No time on the clock, mm-hmm. through the ball across field, and game over. Somebody's, like, sleeping at the wheel. Well, and let's just say that they go down there and kick that field goal. Okay, well, again, late in that game, the Rams were doing just enough to move the ball. Yes. Okay, but also, if you go back to that missed face mask and the Rams get that call, it's 24-20. Now Absolutely. the Saints have to score a touchdown anyways. You can't settle for a field goal. What now? What now? You know, and so, yeah, there's just a lot of if-ands. I, I just think because the replay shows it so many times, now it becomes talking points and, oh, man, they robbed us. But everyone who plays a the game, there's an old saying, don't let the refs win or lose the game. Don't let it come down to that. And so they got in a situation. But, again, the winning field goal was what, 57 yards, 47? 57. 57-yard field goal. I mean, really? I mean, that's that's not like a chip shot. And that thing's probably good from 65, the way he hit that thing. My God. But, again, what's the likelihood the farther you get back the chances of you making it, though you may have it, it's usually going to be left, right. Oh, mm-hmm. I tried to put too much into it. You know, be like Janikowski, you know, uh, in the Saints game. He pulled a hamstring trying to, you know, put a little extra on it. So, 
uh, yeah, there's just a whole lot that, that just can be talked about over and over. And But your coach will tell you all the time, don't let it come down to the refs making the call for you. Well, and that's the thing to me. And, and I, I'm titled, I titled this article, Do the Rams Deserve to Be in the Super Bowl? And to me, my, my answer is unequivocally, absolutely yes. And I, and I put that as a question, though, because that's been what we're seeing all over social media and all these these um, Saints defenders. And I understand Saints fans being upset. I understand the Saints being upset. But here's the reality to me, and let me know if I'm, I'm going wrong here. The Saints had the ball in the Rams' red zone Come on. three times in the first quarter. Yes! Okay, if you play that, if that's week nine... That's a 21 nothing game. Right. All right. The Rams buckle down. They hold them with 13 points. They do a, that's a solid job against the Saints offense. And then from that point forward, you basically dominate the game. The stats show that. What do you mean? Well, the Saints were up by almost 200 yards at by the end of the first quarter. The Saints right. finished with 290 yards. The Rams finished with 378 total yards. For the rest of that game, the Rams controlled the tempo. They controlled possession. They controlled... Um, Every aspect of this game, with the exception of the one Saints offensive drive in the third quarter, and what did the Rams do? They adjusted. They adjusted and basically knocked Alvin Kamara out of the game. Absolutely. Well, I was at an autograph signing that morning for, for right before the game and got a chance to start watching the game uh, where the location was. Mm-hmm. And so I hear the screaming. I look, peek inside. I'm like, what? They scored already? Oh, it's just 3 nothing. Okay. And what was it? A couple minutes later, two minutes, they're back there again, knocking on the door. I'm like, man, I was about to get blown out. I knew this was going to happen. They just <laughs> going to New Orleans, ate too much gumbo or something. Oh, man, you know, it's loud. It's crazy. You know, the helmet's not working. Everybody's looking around like, what is going on? And I'm like, so I'm driving home. And again, pivotal game. Who lets a guy behind him? It, it, right before the, the half, you know, on the big play that they end up scoring, bring, get it down to what, the two or three quick it's, offense? Yeah, it's with 13-10, right? And, yeah, and then they run it in right before the half. You know, again, that's another big play. Again, as you spoke, you're down there that many times, should have been 21 nothing. you know? So, yeah, Saints, you got a lot to ask yourself about that. And again, as you stated, the Rams just kind of came out, made the adjustment with the crowd noise and everything going against them, and and got it done. Well, you've played the Superdome. You know how loud it can get. You can imagine it was much, much louder even in that game. To me, the Saints had every advantage in the book. Every advantage. And they still lost. They lost. There's no way around it. From the second quarter on, the Rams dominate this game. They adjust. I don't know how they adjust to all that sound. I don't know. And the defensive adjustment we're going to talk to you about in a minute. But to me, when you have all those things and you wrap them together, the Rams had no business winning this game. But they, to me, they show they're the better team. They Absolutely. Absolutely. Because as you're saying with the crowd noise, the times I've played there, I mean, literally you and I could be standing right next to each other. You can't hear. I mean, you're yelling and screaming and you got to yell in the other person here. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, 
And so I can imagine I'm looking at the offense. I'm like, I don't even know why you're trying to audible. You can't. Nobody can't hear you. Whitworth trying to get out of mm-hmm. the stance, go back. Like, what? You, you cannot hear it so loud, and it's inside your helmet. You mm-hmm. know, it's like you're at a concert, and the noise is inside your helmet. And so all that is to their advantage. So it's just, yeah, they shouldn't have let the game basically kind of get away from them and come back to the Rams where they started, you know, you know, the big Mo and they got it going and they got it going at the right time. So the question here about Jared Goff then and get to the defensive adjustments. How proud of how proud of Jared Goff are you for how he pulled everything together? To me, a twenty three year old kid, um, his really the biggest game of his career thus far. Now he's got one more coming, okay? And he can't hear anything. His helmet malfunctions, which I have quite a few buddies who predicted that would happen. Hint, hints, New Orleans. Okay. Um, but yet, he puts together a solid game. A very, actually, a very I, I good game, a, second quarter on. You know, Jared Goff is just you know a good kid all the way around. It's funny I'm calling him a kid, a young man. Uh and I got a lot more respect because after the first series or two, I'm like, come on, Jared, don't go back to rookie Jared Goff or, you know, these bad games. Like, come on, man, don't let the pressure get to you. So he kept his cool, just bowed it back, you know, got home, and I saw the highlight when the helmet, he wasn't throwing helmets and kicking stuff over. He just got another one and was like, hey, man, this thing is not working. So he kept his calm. And so, you know, they're now saying, you know, little – little bit like Brady, this and that, you know, maybe a little early for that. But what you love is for your quarterback to be cool, calm and collective. And that's that's what he is. He doesn't get rattled and, you know, start going crazy, yelling at people and complaining. He just goes out there and gets it done. And so I know he has a lot of respect from his teammates. You know, the weird thing was he took so much criticism, especially following the the Bears game, the Eagles game, but he's getting happy feet back there. And I look at it, you know, the guy's 23. He's been pretty comfortable in the pocket almost all year, and all the studies running for his life. You know, if that's me, I'm going to be the same way, man. I'm going to be a little rattled, too. This is not, you know, these are all, you know, he's, to me, he's only, because uh, I throw, I, I mean, I, I've said this numerous times, I throw out the rookie year Jeff Fisher. Nobody was going to be successful in that offense. So I really consider this a second year. As a pro. And when you are now in positions where you're going in ice cold Chicago or you're facing a Philly defense that 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 front that front line was not a good matchup for the Rams offensive line. Right. And then you lose Todd Gurley. You, those are new things for you. I can understand there's going to be growing pains. And the question is, how do you respond to that? And to me, Jared Goff has responded to that like a mature young man. Absolutely. And I think that's what's so unfair about all the quarterbacks coming into the league. Again, my rookie year was 87. It didn't matter who you were. You had to come in and earn it. That means you had to learn what you were doing, learn how to be a pro. You had to get up to the practice tempo, game tempo, the different pressures of, you know, your off day, you know, going to schools, you know, all these things Mm -hmm. to pull on you. And so when you see a Jared Goff, he's still a young player, but it's because of this idea that if we draft a quarterback, he's going to come in and be Dan Moreno and John Elway in the first year. 
Well, all those guys, maybe with the exception of Dano, uh, they kind of earned and got better over time. You look at early Tom Brady. I heard something today. Uh, coach, th- uh, coach there, Coach Man Genie. He was he was there, and he said, "Man, his rookie year, Tom is bouncing balls on the ground and outs." And but he said he had a work ethic and a calmness. He's not the Brady he was then that he is now. And so now he's solid. And so you look at Jared Goff, again, the cool, calm, and now learning. And think about it. Khalil Mack, pound for pound, probably the best defensive player. I mean, we could put Aaron Donald in the mix from the inside. But Khalil Mack went to Chicago and literally almost got them in, you know, the big game just because of him. Oh, you're fixing to upset some Rams fans, though, you you know, maybe giving Khalil Mack the upper hand there. Well, Ooh. not so much, but I mean, Aaron Donald is a beast because he's doing it from the inside where mm-hmm. he's got people all around him. So that's a whole nother story. But I'm just saying from an outside rusher perspective, a Khalil Mack bearing down on your backside. Come on, man. Nobody's trying to get hit by him. <laughs> I mean, and, no, and nobody was. Nobody was this year. That's for sure. Okay. So. Um, we do need to talk about our sponsor, Golden Rain Barbershop. Before we do, I have one more question for you, and that's defensive adjustments. Um, Alvin Kamara, for a large chunk of that game, especially the, the critical Saints stride in the third quarter, he's, he's catching balls left and right, all right? right. And, and the Rams could not stop him on that drive. And it was all dink and dunk stuff. The, the Saints didn't do anything spectacular the entire game. There were very few you know long passes. It was right. really kind of... Just dink and dink and dink and dink and dunk. The Rams couldn't stop it. What adjustments do you see the Rams make in their coverage overall and then later on with Alvin Kamara to basically hold that Saints offense in check? Well, I I think it's, it's a combination of things. Once you see it so many times, you're going to eventually start being able to play it a little better. Even if, you know, they had, I believe it was Littleton, and then they got Barron trying to cover him on those little, you know, we call them little out routes, little angles and different things. But once you see it enough times, there's only so many routes a running back is really going to run. So you pretty much say, well, I'm going to take away either the outside or I'm going to take away the inside. They started doing that, closing the gap. But again, how much were they going to Kamara down the stretch? Sean Payton and whoever's calling the plays, again, you start outthinking things, you mm-hmm. know? And so I think it was a combination of them outthinking things and the Rams just saying, you know what? They're not getting us with that anymore. And that's what Wade Phillips is there to make these type of adjustments. Well, and of course, the one that just I saw was, was bringing Suh, Sue up the line right there, and somebody, Sue or anybody, they see Kamara, they're jamming him and knocking him off his route. And really from that point forward, the Breeze-Kamara connection was highly ineffective. And it was a little thing too, right? And that's not really all that big of a deal. That's something you just make sure you do. You go chip him. Yes. That's what I saw, though, from the Rams. It It wasn't this massive scheming. It was the little adjustments that you have to make in the course of a game that made a difference, and and I think that's what makes it, so, in a lot of ways, kind of, this is going to sound weird, in a lot of ways beautiful. It wasn't this massive orchestrated scheme. It was just you played enough football to where you know what to do, go do it. 
Well, what you're hitting on, Derek, and this is from a player's perspective, the worst way to lose a game is on a field goal at the end of the game. So that's more or less what the guys and the Saints and everybody is really whining about is that 57-yard field goal, really? We're going to lose by that? Really? That's what really comes down to. That's the worst way to lose. If you get blown out, well, you know, you just didn't have it that day. Mm -hmm. But for them to actually be really somewhat as we agreed to in the driver's seat, especially the first half, and then that third quarter, they just went up the field like nobody was out there. And then to kind of get shut down and lose on a field goal, yeah, that's a bitter taste and a bitter pill to have to swallow. So, uh, you know, as we said, yeah, you guys play one more game, but you guys will be home watching just like the rest of the league. That's how it goes. <laughs> All right, folks. We also want to take time here to thank our sponsor, the Gold Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of you in the Orange County area and you like the old school barbershop experience, check out the Gold Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal opened up his shop, Sal Martinez, as he shrined two Rams on the day the team left for St. Louis, and he's kept the light on ever since. If you have been there, I'm, I'm looking at Michael saying, Michael, you got to go. You got to go. He's by appointment only, but if you've been there, you know what you find. You're finding basically a Hall of Fame, the Rams. You're finding memorabilia all over the place. Jerseys, helmets, you got it, you name it, okay? I'm telelling you. He's by appointment only. Give him a call, 714-894-RAMS at 7267. He's got promo code RAMSTALK, so he knows we sent you and get a discount on an already affordable haircut. He's open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., Saturday from 7 to 4 p.m., close Sundays. Give him a call. Folks. It's a great experience. It's the old school experience. Go in there and talk football with him. It's like you're sitting in a barbershop chair getting this nice, beautiful haircut. Okay, beautiful is the wrong word, guys. Okay, a hand, a handsome haircut and talking football, talking Rams football. Even he, hey, he made my head look normal, and he, he worked miracles on Norm. I promise, miracles. All right, so check him out, 714-894-7267. Okay, so – my cousin, another thing for you, you know, when you were with the Rams, you went through some coaching changes. You saw the transition from John Robinson to Chuck Knox, and, and it, you know, it wasn't pretty. Um, Jeff Fisher, it was an article today in Fanside. Now, yes, Fanside is a site that gives a fan opinion. And in, in the article today, it talks about how Jeff Fisher, um, former coach of the Rams, a pariah from many fans' standpoints, um, deserves some credit for building this team. So some credit for this team getting to the Super Bowl. How do you feel about that idea that Jeff Fisher, a guy who was there for five years, never got him more than seven wins in a season, uh, should be given credit for building this team? Well, I, I think when you look at it from a defensive standpoint, point, uh, Coach Fisher, and I'm going to uh, – you know, give a, a a shout out to Coach Fisher. You know, I have probably one of my best defensive years playing for Coach Fisher, uh, a great coach, absolutely a, a defensive guy. Uh, but there's a little credit that goes around. You get some guys, you have a plan. Uh, you know, I think the move out here to California, you know, is good with that. You know, obviously it didn't work with, with young golf as far as, you know, where I don't even know who were the offensive coaches at the time, uh, but that didn't work out. And obviously uh, 
Coach McVay is obviously better at getting the young guy to go out and play and the scheme on offense and all those good things. Uh, but I think, yeah, he probably deserves uh, some credit. Some of those guys uh, played for him uh, and were drafted by him and, and the rest of the organization at the time. But it all comes down to and all the coaches know is it doesn't matter how you get here or who got you here. Ultimately, it comes down to well, what coach can galvanize everyone to move in one direction. And Sean McVay, just being around him, he reminded me a lot of Coach Robinson in his early years of how Coach Robinson was able to get all of us going in one direction. And, and that's why, you know, he had, you know, a ton of success in some of those mid 80s uh, years when, you know, they were going to the Super Bowl and we were getting to the NFC championship. But it also ultimately comes down to how you can get all the guys on the team going in one direction and putting up wins. So I, I understand that you played for, for Coach Fisher. And so I want to I want to be careful. I want to be respectful of how you feel about him. Here's this is this is how I view it though. Okay. Yeah. I look at Coach Fisher took the job in 2012. On his roster, he inherited James Laurinaitis. He was a linebacker, middle linebacker in his prime. He inherits yeah. Chris Long in his prime. He inherits a young Robert Quinn entering his prime. He's got all these building blocks. He's got Roger Seifold, who's been there forever now. Yeah. He's got these building blocks on his roster. And does nothing with them. I mean, that's the reality of it. The team, it just is what it is. And I'm sure he's a wonderful person face-to-face, but I just can't give him credit for building the team into a Super Bowl team when he was gifted the same opportunity and did nothing with the guys he inherited. But here's the re- Sean McVay did do something with the guys he inherited. Right. Now, what, what you have, though, you got a couple things that play out. Uh, and absolutely, you don't have to worry about biting your tongue because your opinion is your opinion. And, you know, my thing is just based on kind of plan form. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, uh, you know, the record and all the things that happened, that speaks for itself. Ultimately, Coach Fish would say, I didn't get it done. You know, and that was our model when we, when we played for him. Uh, during the year when he came over, and we ended up three and thirteen that year, and then Coach Knox came in, you know, because we're trying to play the that Buddy Ryan defense, but we didn't really have the horses up front to do it like they were doing it in Philly with the Reggie Rice and Jerome Browns. But man, we towards the end of the season we we're getting it down. Nevertheless, uh, where we are, if you look at uh, the management, they brought Sean McVay in, right? When you go out and get a coach, and especially a young coach as him, he's going to get a little more latitude and a little more say on how things are done because they went out and got him. And to get him, he probably said, okay, for me to leave this over here, I'm going to need to be able to do this, this, and this. you know. And I just think it was a good mix of who was here, the different things, you you had a great building block with Gurley. You had the young dude in golf. You brought the big. You brought Whitworth in to hunker down, get the line kind of straightened out. You know, because that offensive line was taking some heat in golf's first year. But you had a guy with now a scheme, Coach McVeigh, and then he's like, "Let me go get somebody like Wade Phillips." Or they said, "However Wade got here, 
Because I'm like, I don't know how Denver let him get away, but <laughs> they did. And he just has a calming effect, and he has anyone that plays for him says the same thing. Just a great coach, knows a lot about the game, but he cares about you as a person. So that goes a long way, again, into this culture that the Rams have built and are building. And obviously it starts with the top with Coach McVay and just getting everybody on the same page. So, I, you know, I'm excited uh, because being young, yeah, there's going to be now a lot of expectation that this thing happens every year. But, man, it's tough. It's tough to get back when now you're the big dog. We look at all the other teams from – last year that didn't even really make the playoffs. So uh, we got a chance because you just don't know what a year later, two years, you don't know. You know, that's what makes this game special. I remember the Rams-Patriots Super Bowl 36. I remember how the, the Rams lost that game by a field goal. Years later, we understand what that did to that team mentally. We, you know, from that point forward, it was first kind of a slow death and then they did a off-a-cliff dive. Um, into obscurity, you know, but when that loss happened, I thought they'll be back next year. Right. They'll be back. I thought, you know, it's only a matter of time. They'll get an irresistible title. And here we are 17 years later. And uh, I've realized as I've gotten older, you know, I'm I'm 40 this year. And I've realized, you know, this, I might, uh, heaven forbid, fingers crossed, because I don't believe this is the case, but this might be the only time in the rest of my life I will see the Rams in the Super Bowl. Right. And I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going right. to, and I want, you know, it's the Patriots. It's the team that many people believe cheated to be us the first time. And so I'm going to go out there, I'm going to enjoy it, and I'm going to, and I'm going to believe this team is going to beat the Patriots and finally kind of bring that chapter in this team's history to a close. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and I believe we all saw the Patriots early in the year and, you know, people can say what they want now. Oh, you know, it's time, it's this. And no, man, that's the Patriots. They're on the downstroke. And yeah, they kind of righted the ship and certain things started happening down the stretch. But yeah, if if we if we don't beat them and beat them like a drum, I'm going to be a little disappointed. But at the same time, as long as we come out with a win, that's going to be gravy. Well, the Patriots over the years have always played close games in the Super Bowl. They've never blown anybody out. They don't blow people out. People don't blow them out. I look at it this way, you know, and I because we're all over social media. All right, we're seeing, you know, many, so many experts saying the Rams don't stand a chance. They're going to lose by fourteen points. They're going to lose by ten points. I look at it this way: when you line these teams up, when you put the comparisons out there, offensively, skill positions, the Rams got them. Everywhere except quarterback. You know, of course you give, you, you give Brady the props for who Brady is. Okay. So at receivers, Rams have the edge. At running back, you mean to tell me CJ and Todd really don't have the edge there? I think they do. I think at those skill positions right now, they have the edge. Uh, you know, I look at defensively with Aaron Donald up front, the, the best, to me, the best offensive player in the game right now. You have... You know, a secondary that's coming together. You keep know, Tlaib over there on one side, Marcus Pierce. The other is finally figuring it out. They finally figured out how to use the guy. Okay, right. and, and and you have you know John Johnson back there. I'm looking at the matches and I'm going, if you're looking at the at the pieces that are there, the Rams are the more talented team. If you're talking on paper, the Rams should beat this Patriots team. Now these are the Patriots. 
This is the Patriots. They they find ways to win. But to me, the right. the skill advantage to me is on the Rams. And I just don't see how you can automatically count out the Rams when you know the skill was there. You're giving Sean McVay two weeks to figure out the Patriots. What happened the last time you gave Sean McVay two weeks to figure out a team? Look what he did the Cowboys. 273 yards rushing. Right. Sliced and diced them. I just right. don't see what other experts are seeing. Tell me if I'm right or wrong here. Well, how do you see this game going? Well, my thing is, and, and I, I went a little deeper today and, and pulled up some stats because every team has tendencies. And the key and what Coach Belichick is able to do, he's able to find out where your strengths and weaknesses are, and he exploits those. And so when I look at the Patriots, and you look at, you know, yards after the catch, well, Gronkowski is the guy who has the better average yards after catch. But overall, he's not leading in per average yards. Well, what does that tell me? Gronkowski's just running intermediate routes. So if I'm Wade Phillips, that's easy to now scheme against, tell your defenders how to play the guy. These are the routes he's winning on, Okay. And then conversely with us, when you look at us, Cooper Cup, he was averaging seven point yards, but he hasn't played. And he's still yards after the catch, 7.4. But our best weapon is Todd Gurley, who has 10.0. So if I'm Sean McVay, I'm going to let C.J. Anderson do all the damage in between the tackles, and I'm going to find a way to use Todd Gurley out the backfield, screen game, go out, sit up over the middle, run after catch. You know, it's things like that are going to be the difference. And when it comes down to it, if you look at the Patriots, once they cross the 50, Edelman, nine times out of 10, is running an inside route every time. And that's how they won down the stretch. Eventually, they brought him in motion, inside route. But the DB was playing from an outside position, basically trying to jam him, but he was pushing him away from him and pushing him open and barely not getting there first down. So what you do in those situations, and Wade Phillips, man, you scheme it up. Hey, man, when they get in the situation, they cross the 50, we're taking away all inside routes or all inside releases, and we do things like that. Now, the thing I don't think is, what always saves Tom Brady, because he's a human being, he's used to not getting hit. We see what happens when any pressure gets on him. So that's what I'm doing. I'm going to scheme up Aaron Donald and the boys and go, let's get after this guy. And, and that's going to be kind of, to me, going to be the keys to the game. I think you hit the nail on the head. For me, that is, the, to me, I think the Rams will – find a way to at least contain Gronk. I think they'll contain Edelman. I think the key to the Rams winning this game is the same as it was with the Saints. You get the debris, you win that game. They got yes. debris, they got the game. Okay, you get to, to Brady, you're going to win this game. It's what it all comes down to me. If you don't get to Brady, they, they, they don't the, – the guy's too accurate. They, they scheme very well. They will be prepared. If you don't get to Brady, you don't win. You get to Brady, and they win this game. I, I look at the Rams' offense, too, and think, you know, the one thing that they've been able to do so well, because they're, in, they're 11 personnel, they play out of almost the same formation almost every play or something close to it. That's hard. If you, to me, and maybe you could tell you, you've been there, you've done that. If 
That is the basic formation they always run out, but they always find a way to come up with new plays out of that formation. I would think that would be really difficult for a defensive coordinator to try and, and scheme against. Well, absolutely. Well, that's that's kind of where, you know, Coach McVay and the offensive staff, the, the scouting department or whomever, again, if I can just go online, pull down some stat sheets, I can pull down some pretty quick tendencies in about 15 minutes. Well, you're going to have two weeks to basically prepare for this. You got tape. You got all the, the, the stats and the, and the tendencies. Now it's just, okay, how are we going to exploit those? So if it's a fact of because what they're not going to be used to, okay, why do they keep lining Todd Gurley in the slot? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's little things like that. Okay, well, we we expect Brandon Cooks to be here, or we expect, you know, Josh Reynolds to be here. Why are they putting Gurley here? You know what I mean? So that throws off their tendencies that they're going to be playing for because they figure, oh, they only got two weeks. They're not really going to change their offense. They're going to go what got them there. Well, yeah, that's true, but you got to put these little wrinkles in to now make those guys adjust, and then you got to be ready to adjust again once they try to catch up to that. But I just think a few wrinkles like that is going to pay dividends, but I think we should be able to run on these guys. And when that happens, that's going to open the floodgates. I, I do too. I, I've been looking at this, and I think there's just no way. One, I think this will wind up being closer to a shootout than previous games. I think that these teams are going to score a lot. Um I don't think it'll be a typical passing game. I think these guys are going to work on the run, on the ground. And the way the Rams have been playing the run of late, I'm I'm pretty confident that they'll be able to, to take advantage of it. So, you know, I'm, i got to say my prediction for next week's shows, okay? But I'm going to yeah. ask you, what are you, as we get ready to close up shop here tonight, call it, what are you predicting this game to be? Oh, I'm predicting this game to be a Ram win, 28-14. What? So you're going two touchdowns. You think this is a dominant win? Yeah, because the way I look at it is, let's take that last drive that Brady had against, uh, who are they playing? Uh, the Chiefs, okay. right? He converted on, what, three or four third downs. You know, one he kind of got away with. They gave him another one. But, again, those plays, and, again, I was looking at Eric Berry, and I'm like, why do they have a guy who just basically came back out here trying to bump and run? Hey, Gronk wants you to get up there and be physical because then he can throw you off, and now he's open. So you just say, man, get up like you're going to bump him maybe, and then you just back off and let him make – because he's not going to run away from you. So you got to just do some things like that. But my point is, Brady converted on those third down plays. So when you get a team third and five plus, well, that's really a win for the defense because you got to do, you got to, one, go up the field a little further to get the first. But now we got an advantage, or we should have. The, day, the Where they messed up, Lining up offsides, give them a first down, you know, passing the fear, give them another, you know, something else. So they were helping them convert on those third downs. It wasn't so much they were taking it away from Kansas City. So in a game like the Super Bowl, it's like we're not going to give them anything. They're going to have to earn it. And I feel 
the Rams will be able to do that because you got experienced guys like Tlaib, Sue, and some of these other guys that have played in these situations that, man, we're not just giving you plays. Okay, devil's advocate, though. All right, flip it around. And you have a ton of offensive players, skill position players, who have not been in that situation. Jared Goff has never been to a Super Bowl. Todd Gurley never been to a Super Bowl. Pretty much every skill player in the Rams has never been to the Super Bowl, except for Brandon Cooks. All right. Where do the nerves come in for them? Where, you know, where do the possible mistakes come for them? You got to figure this last week's game was the biggest game. You're playing a team now the third time, right? Mm -hmm. You beat them. What they split, right? The no, they they got them the preseason. The Saints did, okay, right. and it was brutal. Then they they the Saints, the Saints beat them again, and then the third time around in the postseason they got them. Right. So what you have is a situation that was set up again for the Saints to win, and we saw that early on. Everything that could happen, they experienced a loud crowd. We're on a, a enemy's turf, if you will. We got mm-hmm. these challenges going against us. You know, our number one back, he's not really playing up to speed, whatever the case may be. You know, helmet's not working. You know, all those things, man, we got to make some adjustments. Sure. So my my sense is Jared and the rest of those guys are going to use that as, well, shoot, man, we already were in our Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And now we're in a neutral site. Sure. So who – you're not going to have those issues. You're at a neutral field, and that's why I think, and you're on a turf field inside the dome again, that's where our speed and different things, even defensively, should be to our advantage. Yeah, and so I'm looking at this, and, and I think a popular misconception about the Patriots right now, especially on defense, is that they're slow. They're not slow. They're, no. They're, no, they're not. But if you're if you're looking at one area where the Rams have the advantage, it is in speed. And what's yeah. cool is, Unlike the, see, the 2001 team, that was, to me, and I, I've said this before, I believe the 2001 Rams were better than the 99 Rams. Okay? I really believe that. But they were not as physical as this Rams team is. This is this, this team, that team had timing. They had every skill in, in the passing game locked down. They were a totally different team. Look at this Rams team. They are more of a total package to me. They are. They have speed. They have that skill. Okay, the speed. But they're physical up front. They can push you around defensively. They have speed on the edges now with Dante Fowler and, and Samson, who's been stepping up. Okay, Ebicam. And you have physicality on the line. You have physicality in the secondary. But these guys aren't slow. These are fast guys. And I'm looking at this team going well. If again going back to where the Rams have the advantage this game, they have that speed advantage over the Patriots on turf. They should be able to use that. That should be an advantage to them as long as they do not allow the Patriots to outmuscle them. Well, think about this. Let's just break it down to simple things. How many more years has Indominus Sue gotten this lead? Um, you oh, know no. he, well, probably three or four. Probably, right? You know, and again, he's got to take care of himself, do all that good stuff. How many more years is Khalid Tlaib got in this league? 
Akeem uh, <laughs> Akeem Talib. Okay, I mean, um, yeah, it's getting late, folks. It's getting right. late. <laughs> um, you know, he's he's thirty two now, so he's probably got. I mean, he might move the safety. So if he moves the safety, he gets a couple more years. So maybe three or four. Yeah, and then you know Whitworth, he's what in his thirty eight. You know, so you look at some of the more seasoned guys on defense. And then you got the young guys. The seasoned guys are going to make sure, guys, the last time I played or, man, this is my first and I've been playing these many years. You know what I mean? And Dominic and Sue, he ain't go nowhere in Detroit. Come on. So you don't think they're going to be like, look, man, they're like us. You don't know when this is going to come back around. So you're not going to go out there and and mess it up, at least not on purpose. So that's why I feel they're going to be dialed in. And because they've played in some big games, KC game, they had to come back. It was a shootout, you know, and they've had some other games, you know, got to win by a field goal. So they've had all the situations per se that go along with a big game. So the key is, and that's where maybe Brady and the rest of them have a little bit more edge is, they're going to be able to say, hey, man, this is business as usual. And that's going to be the difference where the Rams is, can they focus business as usual? But I think one of the keys that maybe is not talked about, the thing that really helps you win, because when you get to the NFL, skill is skill. Mm -hmm. The thing is, what makes the difference between the teams that win and lose is the cohesiveness that guys have with each other. And that's what I think the Rams, not I think, I know that they have. These guys really love each other, and they really care for each other, and they don't talk about each other behind the back, or, you know, you hear all this negative talk that, uh, you know, these anonymous sources and all this kind of stuff. You don't hear anything about riffraff and, you know, animosity amongst the guys. To me, that's going to play a big part in a, in a game like this. Yeah, at the end of the game, um, just seeing doing the trophy presentation, just to use your yes. example, and they have Aaron Donald gets the Hallis Trophy and doesn't even hold on to it for a second. Doesn't even take time to look. Immediately, he hands it over to Ndamukong Sue and says, you know, here. You know, he didn't even, because he knew it had been a long road for Sue. Yes. And, uh, you know, so what you're talking about to me is true. The, and that's – listen, I've, you've been a fan longer than me. You've been on this earth a little bit longer. Yes. You've seen – and you were a fan before you were, you were actually playing for the Rams. And so yes. I can imagine there were some Rams teams that you were familiar with where they you didn't like those teams. You know, I can think of some teams of the Rams teams in the mid to late 2000s where – a lot of those guys were jerks and yeah. were not playing a team game. And they weren't exactly likable teams. Just, there's a couple of teams during the Jeff Fisher era that weren't likable teams. They're still yes. your team. <laughs> right. They're still right. your team, but they were hard to love. But these guys, they make it easy to really love this team and to be thankful this is your team because they, they genuinely – don't take anything for granted. They enjoy every snap they can be on the field together. They enjoy every moment where they can just be Rams together. And 
I, that, to me, that has to mean something going to the Super Bowl. It has to mean something in how you take on a team with the Patriots. And, you know, obviously the Patriots have had, they've had to have had a similar locker room to, to that over the years, or else they don't, they don't go there. And, you know, I don't know all the drama that's, that's taken place in New England in New England over the past few years. There's been lots of media coverage about it. But I, I can at least say we know that's not happening with the Rams right now. Right. Well, and, and again, when you, you look at these losses down the stretch, you know, against, as you noted, the Bears and the Eagles, you know, again, come back big win against the Cardinals, and, you know, they finish out big win against, you know, the rival 49ers, if it's still a rivalry yet. Uh, can't stand the 49ers. I own the record. <laughs> but uh, the bottom line is I think all those situations, winning early, winning kind of big, you know, being in a rhythm, oh, man, we got some injuries, and then we kind of got out of rhythm, and then we got losses late, and now we, you know, we trying to get home field advantage. Oh, we don't have that anymore. Oh, we got to win a big game. That win last week is huge. The cool thing about it is it's a two-week break. So as opposed to being, oh, man, you had this big emotional win and you got to try to come back the following week and win, well, a lot of times that takes a lot out of you. Mm -hmm. You know, so with a two-week break, I think that's going to play to the advantage that that emotion all right, we can kind of really enjoy it, and now we can get prepared, and then now we can get dialed in, you know, when it's time to go for the Super Bowl. So I just think a lot of things have fallen in place at the right time, and and Dominic Sue over these last number of weeks has just yeah, been a been very good. he's been you very know? good. So you put that together with Aaron Donald, who's just so consistent, Still, just unstoppable. When you know the guy's coming, you still can't mm-hmm. stop. That's a dangerous person. So, uh, and then the other guys coming along, uh, I just think that's why I'm calling 2814. All right. And so, I, I'm i going to go ahead. When we do our little spreadsheet, I'm going to add you on because you're on the show and made your prediction. Um, folks, it's time for us to go. This has been a one heck of a fun podcast, just breaking down this stuff with you. And, um, you know, Mike, it's been a great year. I'm very thankful you, t- you took the time numerous times that you to come on the show. Um, you've always added to this great perspective. So thank you for being a part of our team, and I'm hoping in the future you come on and be part of our team some more next year and in years in the future, man. It's been really great to have you on. Man, I appreciate the, the dial and the, and the opportunity, man. I love it, man, getting to hang out with you guys and, and, and talk after the games. You know, win or lose, you know, we had a couple of those. It was like, wow. <laughs> again, yeah. it's the NFL. Uh, it's a challenge every week. And for to see our Rams actually in the big dance, man, that's huge because you're talking offseason, summer, camp. You know, battling this, you know, meshing, you know, the new guys who Mm -hmm. came in, you know, all these things and everything has to just kind of fall in place to be here. You know, the Saints, on the other hand, they're going to be at home and, you know, they're going to be, you know, probably pee for for a while to come. But that's how close you can get and not be there, you know. And I, I know the feeling because when 89, a while back, when we lost to the Niners, you know, we took the five games at the end to get there only to lose and go, 
okay, man, we coming back next year. We got pretty much the same team. Man, we're going to get these guys and didn't even make the playoffs. You know, so to know that that can happen, man, I'm so excited for these guys, no matter young, old, man, they're in the Super Bowl. They're in the Super Bowl. Um, and, I, you know, personally, I think this team, the great thing about how this team is built and, and how they get along, to me, they're, they're never going to have a problem, at least for the foreseeable future, getting free agents to come in now. And that's an advantage they haven't had in a long time. No, who wouldn't want to play for Sean McVay at this point? So, you know, I look at this. I do believe at some point Sean McVay will win a Super Bowl. Let's hope it's this year. Guys, it is late. I do want to go ahead and ask, hey, if you wish to advertise with us, reach out to us at ramstalk1945gmail.com. We're trying to keep the lights on here, folks. We really are. So leave us a voicemail, too, if you wish. Um, 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. I can tell you that our shows last week, um, we broke our records for listenership on on um, on Monday, this last Monday, and that was really big for us. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. We also have the Rams Talk Room, um, which is a group that allows more conversation because for whatever reason, Facebook algorithms are just horrible. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul, and you can find Mike. At one Duke twenty three, okay, it's one Duke twenty three. Don't forget to follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Our Heart Radio, Android, Google Play, all those places. Don't forget the iebeatradio.com. They play our shows on Wednesday mornings at ten a.m. Pacific time on Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, everybody, for Mike, this is Derek C. Paula. Take it easy. We've got plenty more, plenty more. A Super Bowl preview coming up. It's, it's coming, guys. Less than two weeks away. Have a great one. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Almost half of D.C.'s traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.